Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So how was, the t- how was your discussion and tag about dating? What was that like? Uh, yeah, how many, uh, how many, your discussion was uh, very weird. Something weird was said or, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> so did anybody, did anybody come to a consensus about what they find most attractive about like the opposite gender or whatever? No, okay. Um, so, I heard guys with beards are the most attractive. Um, so, uh, we're going to be talking about um, a, a topic, uh, uh, an issue that we talk about every year. And we always find a different way to describe it. Um, if you were here last year, uh, we were talking, we talked about dating, and we had a, um, uh, uh, Wyatt took on several different personas. Remember prom night, Patrick? Yeah. Um, so, but this year, uh, we're going to be talking about fishing. And uh, I like to fish. I don't know about you guys, but I like to fish. Um, but as we talk about dating, I, sorry, this one actually has a hook on it, so I need to be careful what I do with it. Um, but um, as, we talk about, as we talk about dating, um, I decided to kind of break the ice because it's a serious topic by talking about um, sharing. I came up with um, what I consider, because I've heard some of these, not all these, but I've heard some of these before, the worst Christian uh, breakup lines. Um, so, it, so here's the first one. When she recommends that you read New York Times best-selling book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye by Joshua Harris. Um, if she recommends that book to you, um, it's kind of a cliche, like niche Christian book. Um, you, you, it, you, that may be a sign that she's not that into you. Um, the next one, I'm giving you up for Lent. So that, that would be a very Christian way of breaking up with someone. Um, here's the next one. You could go straight out of the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want you. Um, Here's one that you can also use scripture and kind of throw it back at them. You're my uh, brother in Christ, and I just don't feel right about dating my brother. Um, and then here's the final one for you reform guys. Um, I'm a Calvinist, and we just weren't predestined to be together. So, uh, so oh, you didn't like that one? Oh, okay. I'm just trying to have some fun, guys. That's all. I'm just trying to have some fun. Um, so, so we're talking about dating, and you know me. I'm a numbers guy. I'm a statistics guy. So anytime we talk about a topic, I'm always interested to see some of the numbers about whatever it is we're talking about. So here is kind of dating by the numbers and just a couple facts, factoids, I guess you could say. This is an interesting one. One in three teens um, in the U.S. is a victim of physical, sexual, emotional, or verbal abuse from a dating partner, a figure that far exceeds other types of youth violence. So of all the violence that happens against teenagers or two teenagers, the number one arena in which that violence happens is in a dating relationship. So that to me was a little shocking. Maybe it wasn't shocking to you. Um, so so that you, there's that. Um, here's the next one that kind of surprised me. It said overall 35% of American teens ages uh, 13, 13 to 17 have ever dated, hooked up, or otherwise been romantically involved with another person, and 18% are currently in a romantic relationship. When I was in high school, it felt to me like everybody else was in a relationship. Every other guy I knew had a woman except for me. And I felt like I was the odd one out because I didn't have a girlfriend. But what's actually true is that the, 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 the default position, the default stance of most American teenagers is that you don't, you know, 18% are currently in a relationship. So that's two out of every 10. So it's really not that high, but then you compare that to the pressure that you feel 
that you need to be in a relationship, that if you're like, if you want to have like the full high school experience, like the full middle school, well, I don't know about middle school experience, but the full high school experience, you know, if you want your life to be like Riverdale, which I don't know why you would, but if you, you know, if you want to be like, you know, if you want your life to be like that teen drama or that teen show or that teen movie that you watch, you have to have a guy or you have to have a girl. But according to these statistics, it's not even true, but it's an unrealistic expectation. Um, it's also been, this isn't on the screens, but it's also been kind of proven or um, shown that the way that you date or relate in dating during your teenage years will kind of set the pattern on your relationships for the, for the rest of your life. So like, if, if you're pretty quick to like, you know, like get really, really, really involved with a guy or really, really involved with a girl and then the next week you're like on to the next guy or girl, like that's gonna set up a pattern for you later in life. If you choose really bad guys or bad, like, bad news people in high school to go out with, uh, that pattern a lot of times will follow you through your college years and through your adult years. So it's important that we get it right. Um, and there's an, another statistic, I don't have it on the, on the screen, but most teens get their dating advice from social media. So there are like a million, you know, the, like the relationship goals accounts and like the, you know, find you a man who brings you Chick-fil-A in the pouring rain at midnight to ask you to prom or whatever. You know, those type of things is how we set like our, you know, they say that's how, you know, most teens get their dating or relationship advice or ideals from social media. So the question is, since it, yeah, this paints a picture of dating can be interesting, dating can also be kind of Whoa, the machine is possessed. Dating could be good, dating can be bad, but here's, here's kind of my premise that I wanna to introduce to you before we dive into scriptures. Um, dating isn't good, dating isn't bad, but dating is powerful. The people that you allow that amount of access into your life can make or break you. So if you're gonna be fishing, I don't need to use that one, I need to use the one without the hooks. So. If you're going to be fishing, best be careful how you fish. So dating isn't good, dating isn't bad, dating is powerful. So if you have your Bible, open up to Romans chapter 12. And when we think about dating, when we think about any kind of lifestyle advice, when we turn to scripture, I always start in Romans chapter 12, and here's why. There is, the Bible says, how many, anybody know how many times the word dating is mentioned in the Bible? Zero. So how in the world are we going to get wisdom from God's word about dating? Well, God provides us this incredible template in Romans chapter 12 that we're going to apply to dating. Because while God, you know, God's word doesn't always speak in name directly to the things that you're dealing with, you will find wisdom for every life circumstance in God's word, and dating is no exception. So let's just jump in, okay? Before we... Before we start fishing, we got to set a foundation, okay? And then we're going to get fishing. It's going to be really interesting. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So let's pray, and then we'll dig in. Uh, Father, I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word, and as we try to um, use your word as a, as, as a flashlight to uh, shine your truth on a very divisive and very difficult topic to talk about, but a very important topic to talk about. 
Um, God, that you'll cut through all, the, all, all of our opinions and get right to your truth and right to where it matters. In Jesus' name, amen. So this, uh, this verse here kind of sets up a, a template. And what, what it tells us is how we're supposed to live our lives as Christians. <clears throat> and we find that in verse one. It says, present or offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's the what of the command, is that we're supposed to live for God. That's easy to get, right? That's easy to read and easy to understand that that's the what. That God doesn't just want you to show up at church, although that's a good starting point. God wants him to show up in your life and in your lifestyle on Monday morning. He wants God to show up in your life on Thursday morning. God has something to tell you and God has something to share with you every day of the week. So we need to learn that. Uh, that's the what. God doesn't just want, God doesn't just want your, your, your five minutes every day when you do a devotion. God wants your life, okay? Well, why does God want your life? Why does God want your life? He shows the why in verse one also. It says, in view of God's mercy. Romans is a pretty cool book, and um, a lot of guys, I don't know why, but a lot of teenage guys seem to want to study the book of Romans but then when they get to Romans chapter 12, they kind of start losing interest because it shifts from learning theology to learning how to apply the theology. It shifts from learning how God saved you to how we should behave in view of how God saved us. And it says here, in view of God's mercy. So the way that you're supposed to live and the way you're supposed to date is in view of God's mercy. Because you're a child of God, because of God's mercy, that means that you're called to be holy just like your heavenly father is holy, so you should be very careful who you date, very careful who you let in your life, right? So we do this, we offer our bodies to God in view of God's mercy, and then why should we do this? In view of God's mercy, but how? How do we do it? It says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the how, it's two R words, it's reject and renew. It says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't get your dating advice from Netflix. Don't get your dating advice from social media accounts. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Everybody's got something they want to tell you about how you're supposed to live your life, whether you realize it or not. Yeah, he, he's the reason for the teardrops on your guitar, and that's good music, but it's not always solid dating advice. So what we should, some of you really enjoyed the, 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 the Swifty reference, didn't you? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm with you. Um, but we shouldn't be conformed to the world's pattern of dating. We should be conformed to what God has to say. It says, be transformed by the renewing your mind. So we reject the way that the pattern the world has set for us, and we renew our minds. I don't know how many, how many of y'all are coffee drinkers in here? Got some coffee drinkers? I, I, I got this problem where by the time I, my coffee gets cold and I got about this much coffee left in the cup, so I'll rinse my cup out, and what I'll do is I'll just put the cup in the sink, and I'll turn the water on, and the, the, the cup will start filling up with water, and then it'll start spilling over, and eventually that, black, that brown coffee will spill out, and what will be left is clear, and that's kind of a picture of what we're supposed to do with reject and renew. We renew our minds by allowing God's word to replace the pattern of the world in our minds, so we should renew our minds. So that's the template. We should renew our minds with God's word. We should let God's word set the pace for the way that we date and the way that we relate to people of the opposite sex. Got it? We're all together on this. We've taken this template. 
that, that, that we live our lives for God. So even the way that we relate to other people, even the way that we date, we, we, we do that for God. We do it in view of what God did for us. And we do it by getting rid of the world's pattern and replacing it with God's pattern. So now that we've established that, the rest of the time that we have, we're gonna actually do it. We're gonna t- what we're gonna do is we're gonna be going through different passages of scripture and taking God's word and allowing it to renew your mind. And as we're doing it, we're gonna be talking about the different fish in the sea. Because if you've been fishing, you know, some of you fishing for a largemouth bass and you caught a catfish. You know, some of you've been fishing you know, for bluegill and you caught the most disgusting fish ever, a carp. And you, know, and, and you don't always get what you want, right? And you have to decide, am I gonna keep this fish or am I gonna throw it back? So we're gonna use God's word to renew our minds about how we should be fishing for the fish in the sea. I really hope nothing flies off this pole. Uh, so the first question you need to ask is, should you even be fishing? Are you at a point in your life where you should be dating? Are you at a point in your life where you're ready for a romantic relationship. There are two things I want you to consider in God's word that have to do with whether or not you should fish or whether, I just like seeing you guys go, or whether or not you should date. And here's the first one. Do you have a fishing license? Do you have a fishing license? If you don't have a fishing license, you will get caught by a wildlife enforcement and fined because in West Virginia, you have to have a fishing license to fish. Yeah, some of you are like, oh, crap, you know. But yeah, you have to have a fishing license. It's the law. If you're over 15, it's the law. So here's your fishing license as a teenager when it comes to dating. Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for it's the right thing to do. And all God's people said, oh, my, right? Or all you teenager God's people said, oh, my. Some of you, your parents have certain rules. They say, we don't want you dating until you're X years old. They say, we don't want you dating that guy because his name's Snake and he's bad news. We don't, yeah, we don't want you to date that particular person. And if they say that, if they don't want you dating or they don't want you dating a particular person, guess what? You don't have a fishing license. Whether or not this person is good or bad is immaterial to the discussion. If you want to obey God's word and renew your mind by God's word, if your parents pull your license, you don't fish. The fishing pole stays right there until you get a license. The next thing is, why are you fishing? Why are you fishing? Yeah, I, I had some friends in, in high school, and they weren't real good sportsmen. They liked to fish just to kill the fish. I know. I, did, I never did that, but that, you know, that, and that was what they did. And you know, they, they would, they would you know, catch a bunch of fish and use it as chum for bigger fish. And they just weren't good sportsmen. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Your first pursuit should be Jesus. Wow, that came out really weird. Jesus. (laughs) Your first pursuit should be Jesus. And if you can't, if the idea of finding a date, the idea of fishing is distracting you from pursuing Jesus, Jesus has moved out of first place in your life, and you're not fishing for the right reasons. There will, mark this down because this is where the pattern of the world is different than being renewed in God's mind. You will not find a person who completes you. Some people find, they, they try to date to find somebody who fills the hole in their heart. They try to date to find somebody who completes them. Nobody will complete you but Jesus. I don't care if you marry the person who was tailor-made for you. Adam married Eve, and guess what? God tailor-made 
Eve for Adam and put them in a garden, paradise, naked, and they still managed to screw it up. So guess what? No person is gonna complete you. Only God will complete you. So if you're not fishing for the right reason, if you're fishing to hope that this person is gonna fix this problem in your life, you need to put the fishing pole back in the boat. So now that you've made it through the should you fish, we're gonna talk about which fish to keep and which fish to throw back. So if you, this, this, this is gonna get real awkward real fast. If you are currently dating someone, I want you to evaluate, yeah, this gets me in a lot of trouble and this has caused breakups in the past, but if you're currently dating someone, I want you to evaluate the person that you're currently dating by these criteria. And I want you tonight to decide whether you should keep that person or, and when I say throw them back, I don't mean like physically like hurt them, okay? Or whether you should throw them out of your life, right? Give, put some space, whether you keep or throw back. If you're not in a relationship, I want you to figure out is, is the ideal I have of the perfect person in my life in accordance to God's word or not? So, let's start fishing. The first fish that we catch is the Asian snakehead. Has anybody heard of the Asian snakehead? Um, if you were to, if you were to, um, if you were to, to, to go to Walmart and get the West Virginia fishing regulations, you would find an entire like section dedicated to the Asian snakehead because it's a predatory fish that made its way from Asia and is now in some West Virginia waters and it's destroying the ecosystems in our West Virginia fresh waters. You know why? Because it doesn't belong in West Virginia. I'm not trying to sound isolationist here, but <laughs> you know, not making a political statement here, but the Asian snakehead does not belong in West Virginia because it's destroying the ecosystem. In the same way, if the person you're dating or the person you want to date is not a Christian and you're, in a, and you're a Christian, they do not have a place in your life to have that much access. Second Corinthians is very specific and is very like kind of um, direct on this one. And it says this. I wrote them all down here because I was afraid I wouldn't be able to turn fast enough. It says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what, righteous, what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Um, back when this was written, they would put two oxen together and they would yoke them together. They'd tie them together. And if you had one oxen going this way and one oxen going this way, the stronger oxen would pull the other one. And what this is saying is if you allow somebody access into your life where they will, can lead you and guide you and they're like informing your decisions, if they're not Christian, if, if they're not a believer in Christ, you're going two totally separate ways. And God gave us all kinds of different discipleship methods, but dating was not one of them. Right, and and some you know, we, we kind of joke about it. Sometimes we call it the the DDD method: date, disciple, and dump. Like that is not a way to make disciples. Like find an unsafe person, date them, win them to Christ, and dump them. Like that's not a good idea. And, but some of us we have this savior complex where we see this like the, the, this poor little like like you know, like like oh this boy just needs some love. He just needs someone to love him. And if I could just show him love, and if you know, and, and maybe I could win him to Christ. No, you just think he's hot and you want to go out with him, and you're trying to rationalize going out with him. Right? Right? Okay. So so. It, if, if, if the Asian snakehead is in your life, I, that's not a cultural statement here, but you know, if, 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 if the Asian snakehead is in your life, if you're dating someone who is not a Christian, God's word is very clear. They're going one, whether you realize it or not, they're going one direction now, and you're going another direction, and if you don't break the yoke, you're gonna get pulled the wrong way. So 
The Asian snakehead, throw it back. You like my little graphic there? Throw it back. We're going to move on to the next fish, okay? We're renewing our minds away from the pattern of God's word and or away from the pattern of the world and to God's word. The next fish is the catfish. And you know where I'm going with the catfish, right? You know where I'm going with the catfish. You know, you, know, you, 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 you went looking for a date on like, you know, farmersonly.com or something, and, uh, and you, you, you found someone, and they're like, yeah, they're pretty good looking. Then you met, meet the person, in, you, you meet them in person, and you're like, that looks nothing like the picture, you know? Um, well, sometimes there will be people where prima facie, I can't, prima facie, we don't use that term, where at, at face value, they seem to be very good and very awesome, but your friends are like, don't go out with him, he's a snake. Yeah, yeah. The guys are like, don't go out with her, but, but, but you're, you, you totally forget what your friends have to say and you go out with them, with that person because you think they're just so awesome and they're one way around you and they're a totally different way around everybody else and you're believing him or you're believing her instead of all your friends. Proverbs says that our friends should... In, our good, trustworthy friends, our godly friends should inform our decisions. Proverbs 15, 22 says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. It says in Proverbs 27, 6, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. If your boyfriend or girlfriend is telling you what you want to hear, and all your friends are telling you something true about him or her, but you really don't want to hear it, guess what? They're right, he's wrong and you need to give them das boot. So the catfish, the person who acts one way around you and a different way around everybody else, you need to throw them back. The next fish we're gonna talk about as we're renewing our mind in God's word is the largemouth bass. Now who do you think, <laughs> who do you think this person is? Well, let's read about this person. In Proverbs 12, 18, it says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. But the tongue of the wise, bring, or the words of the wise, brings healing. It's that person who they just can't shut up. And every time they say something, it's terrible. It's condescending about other people. You know, if the person you're dating is running down other people behind their backs, what do you think they're saying about you in the locker room? If the person that you're going out with, they blow you up. And if you don't respond back right away, they make you feel like the worst person ever. And they cut you with your words. It says the rash, rash words are like sword thrusts. Is that the person that you want to date? Is that the person you're dating? You need to throw them back. I, I promise this is secure. Uh, the next fish we're going to talk about, this poor fish, it's the blob fish. This is a... This is a real fish. I checked with marine biologist Emily Lewis, and it's a real, the, she, she, she sent me some of these recommendations. This is a real fish, okay? And I, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a little, uh, I'm gonna be a little risky here, and I'm gonna quote a verse from Song of Solomon. Um, don't turn there, just read what's on the screen. Because I, I usually want you to examine the context, but I don't want you to examine this context, okay? Um, but. Song of Solomon, it's a poem between two, two people who are in love. And this, in, in chapter one, they have not yet been married. They're like engaged to each other. And this is how he speaks to his fiancee. He says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful, your eyes are like doves. And then she says back to him, 
Oh, I could just, oh, how handsome you, I shouldn't read it like that. Oh, how handsome you are, my beloved. Oh, how charming. Okay, so I'm trying to say this without sounding shallow, but if they don't light your pilot light, if they don't melt the butter on your biscuits, you don't need to be going out with them because it doesn't get any better. The older you get, the more gravity takes effect. <laughs> Sorry, I better reel it in. <laughs> so, it, listen, listen. I'm not saying you need to be shallow. I'm not saying you need to rate people based on their looks. But what I'm saying is, there is biblical precedent for you to be attracted to somebody that you want to go out with and that you want to marry. So, we'll just be honest here. If you're only going out with somebody because of their winning personality, the blobfish is rated the ugliest fish in the, in, in the country, or in the, in the world. So, and I'm not saying, all I'm saying is this. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? But if they don't, if they don't, if they don't light your fire, throw them back, okay? We'll move on after that one, because I'm gonna get myself in trouble. The next one, the next one is the carp. Um, if, if you know anything about the carp, um, you will notice the mouth on the carp. It goes like this. You know why? Because carp, they swim along the bottom of the rivers, along the bottom of the lakes, and their, their mouths just pick up anything indiscriminately. Um, you can catch a carp, some of you that are fishermen, yeah, you will tell me, you can catch a carp on anything. I've caught carp on the most, I've caught carp on hot dogs. Um, I've caught carp, one time, I, I'm not kidding you, I, cut, I caught carp, we were just, we got to a point where we were catching so many carp, all of me and my friends, we were just seeing what they would bite on. And one of my friends caught a carp on like a piece of a dirty sock. Like, so, so they have no discernment. Carp have no discrimination. And Proverbs chapter 17, verse 21 says this, the discerning sets his face toward wisdom, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. Ain't nothing wrong with video games. But can I tell you something, ladies? If all your guy does is sit on the couch and play video games, and he has no discernment and doesn't realize, hey, maybe I should get up and do something. Maybe I should do my homework. Maybe I should get a job. Yeah, if the person you're going out with has no discernment about the music they listen to, what they watch, what they let in their eyes and their ears, if the guy that you're going out with is addicted to pornography and has no discernment, guess what's gonna happen? You're gonna start getting pulled into that too. And there's nothing good about a carp. They're not good for food. All they're good for is at Beach Fork to feed them. Anybody feed the carp at Beach Fork at the marina? That's all they're good for. So if, if you got a carp, if you have somebody that has no discernment, they just do whatever. Whatever comes their way, whatever party they get invited to, you know, whatever they're given to drink, they go for, throw them back. Throw them back. All right, let's go to the next fish. The next fish is the puffer fish. We're moving to saltwater now. The puffer fish. What's so interesting, I should have put a picture of the fish before it puffs and the pit fish after it puffs, but this puffer fish is just puffed up, right? And this has to do with somebody who it's all about themselves. 
Do you know anyone who is such a narcissist? They're so full of themselves that there's no room for anybody else. It's all about the movie they want to watch. It's all about where they want to go, the restaurant they want to eat at. It's all me, 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 me. So unless the narcissist gets right with God, it's always going to be about them, and they're never going to put you in front of them. Um, Proverbs has something to say about the narcissist, too. It says, pride goes before destruction in a haughty spirit before a fall. You know, what is it about, you know, you've heard it said before, maybe you know, the bad guys seem to get all the girls. It's because they have confidence, right? And there's nothing wrong with being confident. But sometimes confidence, attract, you know, we get attracted to people who have confidence. We, get, you know, we follow you know, these celebrity preachers who have all this confidence. Uh, we follow people who are so full of themselves. But you know, you follow someone who's full of themselves long enough, you're gonna see them stumble because they're not living in submission to God. And if you hitch your cart to a prideful horse, guess what, guess what happens when they stumble? You're gonna fall with them. And you, you follow this guy or you follow this girl long enough, they're gonna get you into a situation that's gonna bring you down too. You follow this person long enough to marry him. Yeah, I've got friends who've married prideful people and they're dealing with some really difficult things because it's always all about him or it's all about her. So is, your, is the person you're going out with or the person you want to go out with, are they all about themselves? Are they full of pride? If so, I'm going to do it gently this time. You need to throw them back. Um, we're going to keep moving now. Yeah, they're going to get a little more serious here too. Um, you have to promise not to sing to this next one. The Barracuda. You know, I just want to say, ooh, Barracuda. You know? um, the Barracuda. This is the, this is the person who is angry. Um, yeah. Are you going out with somebody or are you, you, you wanting to go out with or have you ever gone out with someone who has so much anger in their life? They're angry with God or they're angry with their parents or they're angry about like some ex-best friend who did them wrong. Here's what it says about anger and about letting those people close access into your life. Proverbs 22, it says, make no friendship with a man or a woman given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. So that person that you feel sorry for because they're so mad, yet maybe you should show them the love of Christ and, and, and help them. But when you allow them that much access into, their, into your life where they can influence you, you know what's gonna happen? The same snare that they've fallen into, anger is like a self-imposed prison sentence, by the way, for those of you that have dealt with anger before. Anger is like a self-imposed prison sentence. What you're doing is you're allowing them to open the door and bring you in and lock you both into that prison of anger. So if, if you're going out with somebody who all they do is they lash out against their parents, they lash out against their friends, or maybe they even lash out against you. Until that person gets right with God, they will always lash out. And I, once again, know people who they've been with angry people for so long that they've actually suffered physical violence because of that anger. You're at a point in your life where you can make a decision whether or not you're gonna go out with that person, whether or not you're gonna be close to that person. Make a right one. And here's the next one. This is the one I need to be careful with, but it's the angler fish. This is by far the coolest fish in the world. Thank you, Emily, for the recommendation. Um, the angler fish. And this is the fish that pressures you to go too far sexually and physically. Um, 
our media, like our world, is just full of sexual scenes and portrayals and messages, and that works its way into high school, and that works its way into middle school, right? Works its way into middle school. And yeah, I went to a Christian school, and I was in middle school, and it seemed like every other word out of the guys in my class was this about sex, and this about sex, and this about sex. And there's this lie that people sell that if you really want to get close to somebody, you have to compromise yourself physically and sexually with that person. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20 speaks pretty clearly to that, and it's going to draw a pretty stark contrast between the pattern of the world and being renewed in God's mind. And this is what it says. It says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you've received from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. This anglerfish, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but the way it works is you can see that little thing that goes like over its head. It's a light and it attracts other fish thinking it's some kind of food. And when the fish gets close enough, yeah, the, the, the prey gets close enough to the anglerfish, the, the anglerfish will eat it. So is the lie that the guy tells you, if you just love me, you'll do this with me. And if you do this with me, I promise I won't leave you. So is the lie that says, if you really want to get close to someone, you have to sleep with them. You know something else that's interesting about this anglerfish? I've been nerding out about the anglerfish all day, and I was actually studying its mating habits. And we're not gonna really get too deep into that, but here, here's what's interesting. They've studied this anglerfish, and you know what they've learned? This is the female. The male is like this big compared to the fish, and it, it hitches itself to the female and swims along hitched to the female. They used to think it were, that the, the males were the kids, but what they learned is what the male does is it finds a female anglerfish and it eats away at their flesh and kind of burrows itself inside, yeah, halfway inside, halfway outside the female, and eventually it, they biologically start connecting to where it gets its nutrients from the female and it gets its oxygen from the female and the, the male fish actually turns into a parasite on the female. You know that when God created sex, he created it to be one of the most powerful connections two people can share. And it's so powerful that when, when it happens, you and the other person are bonded in this way that is very strong. So when you indiscriminately compromise yourself sexually with somebody that you're not going to be with for the rest of your life. You find out that person is a terrible person and you break up with them, but it is so hard to break up and it is so hard to deal with the fact that you have this intense connection with this person who is not right for you and maybe has had that same intense connection with somebody else. The Bible doesn't say find out how far you can go without going too far sexually. Because that's the question I always get asked is, Matt, how far is too far? That's the wrong question. Do you see what the Bible has to say? It says, flee sexual immorality. Well, 
keep moving after that one. That one was heavy. <laughs> Ain't nobody laughing after that one. Here's the final one. It's the tongue-eating louse. This isn't actually a fish. Um, it, it's a louse that is, that is aquatic. And what it does, it will attach itself to the tongue of a fish. And it will slowly eat away the tongue of the fish until the fish has no tongue left. And then the fish dies from malnutrition because it can't eat. Philippians chapter three, verse 14 says that we're supposed to press on towards the goal for the prize of the calling of God. And guess what? When you hit yourself up with somebody who's going nowhere spiritually, they start to tear away your ability to feed yourself from God's word. They start pulling you away from God and you get to a point where you're like, I haven't heard from God for like a year. I haven't heard from God for like six months. Since you've been going out with that guy, since you've been going out with that girl, are you closer to God or are you farther away than you were six months ago when you started dating them? The guy that you want to go out with, the girl, your, your ideal person, will they pull you further away from God or will you be able to continue to press on towards God? Wow. Throw them back. If you have, if you have a tongue-eating louse in your life, throw them or her back. So that's it. That's it. Where does your date, where does your ideal person stack up against God's design? Now that your mind has been renewed in God's word, you have three options. The first is that you can keep it. <laughs> you can keep your catch. <laughs> um, if, if that person passes all the tests, give them a medal or something. You know? <laughs> Congratulations. You know? You know, you know, you know, you know, don't get them stuffed and mounted on your wall, but you, know, you, uh, you, you, you keep them. Um, the, the other thing, though, is maybe this has produce some glaring errors in the relationship you have. Some of you need to throw back the person in your life because they are pulling you away from God. Here's the final thing. Um, you need to learn to trust God. Um, you need to learn to trust God. Um, the, Bi yeah, the Bible says that we choose who we love. The world says you can't choose who you love. We need to trust God that his way is the right way. And this is one of those where the rubber meets the road because you look around and see everybody else doing something that's totally different than God's word. And when you carry yourself and you relate to people of the opposite sex in a way that's different than the world and is in accordance with God's world, that's a huge step of trust. For some of you, you're not going out with anybody right now, but you need to trust that God has this all figured out, that God is a sovereign God. He has somebody <laughs> planned for you and that following his plan is the best way. Um, so I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna get out of here. Uh, Father, thank you for bringing us together, and God, thank you that even when it comes to just the way that we uh, relate to other people, um, an issue like dating that was really never even a thing for a long period of time, God, your word speaks wisdom into our situations even now. Uh, so God, I pray that the, the, the scripture that was read, um, that we'll apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.